When we read the Christian scriptures, we believe we're doing more than just simply studying an ancient text. We believe God actually speaks to us through these words. Tonight, we'll have two readings, a reading from the prophet Isaiah, as well as a gospel reading from the gospel of Matthew. So let's take a moment to silence and to clear our minds and quiet our hearts so we can listen to the word of God. This first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is what Isaiah, Amos' son, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of the mountains. It will be lifted above the hills. Peoples will stream to it. Many nations will go and say, come, let's go up to the Lord's mountain to the house of Jacob's God, so that he may teach us his ways, and we may walk in God's paths. Instruction will come from Zion, the Lord's word from Jerusalem. God will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. Then they will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning tools. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make war. Come, house of Jacob, let's walk by the Lord's light. And now reading from Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have shown them to babies. Indeed, Father, this brings you happiness. My Father has handed all things over to me. No one knows the Son except the Father, And nobody knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wants to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. You can't go without that. Well, good evening, everyone. How are we doing? Pretty good. Uh, My name is Emmanuel, like Katie said, and I'm always excited and thrilled to uh, be here at uh, NOVA. Um, We we can't always um, define what beauty is, right? What someone thinks is beautiful, you may not, and vice versa. But we all know when we see something beautiful that it's actually beautiful, Right, think of a sunset, for example, or, or a little baby or a little puppy. Right? We find beauty in these things, or in some cases, good food can be beautiful for some of us. Right? We can't define beauty, but we know what beauty is. In fact, we're longing for beauty. And so we're starting a new series here at Nova called The Beautiful One. As we look at different portraits of the ultimate beautiful one, Jesus. And we're going to do so looking at the prophet Isaiah and what he says about Christ as we prepare ourselves for Advent, for Christmas. Um, for those of you guys who don't know me, uh, I am infatuated with stories. Like, I love stories. 
and the best way stories are portrayed these days are through movies, TV shows included, but primarily movies. I love great movies. And for me, the best part about any movie, the part that I'm excited to get to and excited to watch are the parts when the good guys are, are losing, things are not going so well, the issue that they wanted to solve at the beginning of the movie uh, isn't working out, uh, they're about to lose, and then the hero shows up or the issue gets resolved. I love those, mo- mo- those moments. In fact, in most movies, there's a great song that accompanies that amazing moment. Growing up, I loved different nerdy stuff. Uh, back in my days, those weren't really accepted. Uh, one of them was Transformers. Transformers, robots in disguise, right? That whole thing. Autobots versus Decepticons. I have a four-year-old son, and right now, before bedtime, his question is, Dad, can you tell me a story? So I go sit by his bed, and I tell him different stories. And eventually, I'm out of ideas, because I've told him so many stories, and he doesn't want any repeats. And so recently, I started telling him about the Autobots and the Decepticons. <laughs> And so I'll tell him these stories, and there are moments where I just can't do it justice, so I show him a clip of the movie. And so this past week, I showed him the clip from Transformers 3, uh, which those movies aren't the best, but there are tons of cool action. Blowing up things in the background is amazing. So I'm showing him the, a scene from, from Transformers 3, and if you haven't seen it, the, the setting is basically the Decepticons, the bad robots, fighting against the Autobots, the good robots, who want, who want to protect humanity, protect the Earth. The Decepticons want Cybertron to basically come around where Earth is, uh, and if that happens, bad things happen to the Earth. Okay, science, you guys know that kind of? Okay, cool, <laughs> moving on. Um, so the, the Decepticons want that, and they're trying to make that happen. The Autobots, few of them are trying to stop it from happening. They're in Chicago, and the Autobots are losing. Pretty bad, pretty sad. And it's in that moment, one of the characters yells out, Optimus! If you don't know who's the hero of the Autobots, and you see the scene shifts through him flying in the sky, landing in this awesome landing style, there's great music, and he goes to town on all these Decepticons. Basically, kids robot butts for a little bit, right? It's really awesome, it's amazing. I love that scene. Isaiah is writing at a time when there's a, there's a need for optimists to show up. Right? His people, the Jewish people, are divided. North and south. Different rulers. And most of these rulers are awful. Leading people towards idolatry. Leading the Israelites to do things that God himself says you're doing stuff that I myself did not even imagine or think about. There's a need for optimists to show up, for something to take place to resolve, to repair, to fix the brokenness, the evil that's taking place in Israel. In chapter 2 of Isaiah, he has this vision. I'm going to read verse 2. He says, In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of the mountains. It will be lifted above the hills. Peoples will stream to it. In the ancient days, uh, mountains were viewed as the place where the gods were. So, for example, most of us are somewhat familiar with uh, Greek mythology. Uh, where does Zeus, Poseidon, and the gods live? Mountain what? Olympus. Olympus. It's a mountain in Greece, right? And it's pretty high where the gods were, were thought to be. 
In Scripture, the same kind of thing. In fact, some scholars argue that uh, the Garden of Eden is depicted to being on a mountain. It's where our connection to God, the, the, the divine realm, met together. And so Isaiah says here, hey, there will come a day when the mountain of the Lord will be lifted up above all places. In fact, it will be near, be close to where you and I are. He says people will come towards it. Uh, three quick things about this mountain that Isaiah draws to our attention. First, he says it's the highest of all mountains. It's the greatest of all mountains. Right? No other mountain is like this mountain. And the reason why is this mountain belongs to the maker of all things, to the ultimate being. He exists. In fact, his house is located at this mountain. It's the best of the best. In fact, when I started dating my wife, Kelly, you know, the honeymoon stage, you know, says about eight months or so, um, wherever she was, I don't care what was going on, I wanted to be there. It could be the worst party, I wanted to be there. It could be watching romantic videos and movies. I wanted to be, at that time I hated it. I do, I don't don't now, but back then I did. I wanted to be there. Why? Because she was there. And Isaiah says this mountain is great because God himself is present. It is God's house. Second thing, he says uh, the peoples will stream to it. In fact, in verse 3 he says, many nations will go and say, come, let us go up to the Lord's mountain, to the house of Jacob's God, so that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in God's paths. Instructions will come from Zion, the Lord's word from Jerusalem. What he's saying is other nations will flock to this mountain. At this point, Israel is not being what it's supposed to be. In fact, when Israel was formed, God tells him, I'm choosing you, Israel, to be a light to the nations. I'm saving you. I'm blessing you, not for your own sake, but for everyone else. And at this point in, in, in Israel's history, they're not being a blessing to the world. They're not being a light. They're being worse than the people they're supposed to be being a light to. But Isaiah says there will come a day when Israel itself will eventually live up to that expectation so that other nations will flock to their God and see that their God is actually amazing. The others, people exterior to us, People unlike us will come because they see something taking place in our midst. And finally, he says, in the last days or the days to come, that language of the days to come or last days speak to the day of the Lord's return. There's a day when God will come back. And when he does, he's going to right the wrongs that are taking place in our world. The, the brokenness. The, the, the bad things. He will appear. He will solve those things. In other words, when he shows up, he'll administer justice. Administer righteousness. So that things will go and be as they're supposed to be. But here's the interesting part of God's justice. It's usually not what we expect. It's the reverse of what we anticipate. Right? For most of us, we want justice is, hey, I want those people, I want that person or this person to, to experience pain for what they've done. And, and God, when he shows up most of the time, what he does is he wants to redeem those people. Or think of, for example, in, in Acts, you have this guy named Saul who's a persecutor of Christians. And, and God deals with him, brings about justice. How? 
by making him into a Christian and having him be one of the greatest missionaries in the church. That's God's justice. In fact, in our text here, at the very tail end of it, it says basically, hey, uh, when that happens, uh, they will take, the people will take their, their farming tools, or sorry, take their weapons and make it into farming tools. Because in the ancient days, ancient world, when you went to battle, you were basically a farmer. Uh, so you took your farming tools, you made it into weapons, and when, when war was over, you transformed it back to being farming tools. And what he's saying is when God's day comes up, appears, wars won't be a thing anymore. And when justice is served, there will be peace in the land. That's God's justice. All this will happen when the mountain of the Lord shows up. I mentioned a second ago, this mountain is great. Why? Because the one who resides in this mountain, the Lord himself. Right? You could even say that this mountain of the Lord is a metaphorical language talking about God himself. That when God shows up, it's going to be great. When God shows up, the others will be invited in. When God shows up, justice will be administered. And Isaiah is anticipating and hoping for this day to come. The story doesn't end here, because we know several centuries after Isaiah, a young boy, a young kid was born in a cave or a manger. And we're told this kid's name is Emmanuel. Great name, by the way. And Emmanuel, as we sang a second ago, means God with us. God with you and I. God came so close to us that the apostle John writes his book and he basically says there, God tabernacled among us. He became so much like you and I that when he claimed to be God, we didn't believe it because it was ridiculous. Because he was that near to you and I. Ate like us, talked like us, walked like, like us, lived among us. We touched him, we grabbed him, we saw him. He was here with us. And every year this time, Advent, Christmas season, we are reminded that God came near to us. That what Isaiah saw happen several thousand years ago. And we anticipate that the fulfillment of what Isaiah saw will happen again when God comes back to redeem and to repair all things. In fact, when Jesus shows up in Matthew, as we read a second ago, he talks about himself, but he says this basically. Jesus says, uh, come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. We're looking, looking for, we're longing for rest. He says, you'll find it in him. He says, put on my yoke. And learn from me. I am gentle and humble. And you'll find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy to bear. My burden is light. This is what Christ promises us. That where God is, where Jesus is, we find what we're longing for, what we're looking for. Because God came to where we are at. In the Congo, where I was born, there's a story about uh, a wealthy guy who moved to this particular part of town, 
And he lived there, befriending some people in that town, and, and they enjoyed his presence. He was kind to them and vice versa. And so one night he invites them over to his house for a huge banquet, a huge meal. And so the meal was prepared, and when time came for the celebration, the party, the eating to take place, no one was there. Frustrated and upset, the wealthy man next day approached his friends, hey, I thought you guys were my friends. I invited you to, to my place for a meal, but why didn't you show up? The response was, we came, we got to the gate of your gated community, but we weren't allowed to go in because we weren't deemed worthy enough. The wealthy man apologized. You know what? That's, that's fine. Tomorrow, we'll do another party. And this time, it'll be where you guys live. That's what Christ has done for us. That's what God has done for you and I. He's come to where we are at. Because we couldn't go to where he's at. He came to where we are at. And he offers us life. We're told also in the rest of Scripture that if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of this God, a follower of Jesus, you, you are the, the physical hands and feet, the body of Christ. Right? Christ is in God's space. He's in heaven. And his spirit is, is, is in us. And people around us are longing. They're wanting to see something unique. Well, we get to be the hands and feet of Christ. And if Christ came to where we're at to make us like him, how much more should we go to those around us and meet them where they are at? In fact, that's why he saved us. That's why he calls us to go out, to be him, those around us. What Marlene is doing is incredible. My parents were immigrants here to America from the Congo. It wasn't until a woman, an American, helped them out. It meant, it meant a lot to them. And tonight, we get an opportunity to do the same thing. Right? Something simple as writing a Christmas card can go a long way for someone else. We have two tables set up tonight. In a second, I ask you if you, if you feel led to please go grab a, a car. There, there's, um, what do you call those, clipboards as well. You can take that, bring it back to your seat, write a little note, and then bring it back to the desk when you're done. It's interesting, Marlene and Katie were talking about writing in Spanish. And that's, okay, cool, Spanish, great, whatever, doesn't write. But it actually means something to those people because what, what it tells them is this. You care enough about them to actually know or communicate to them in their language. And ultimately, again, that's what God has done for us while we celebrate Christmas. He came and tabernacled where we are at. So I'm going to pray for us, and afterwards, take a few minutes. There's tables. Go, Christmas card, write a little note. There's, there's um, some Spanish. Um, the signs are in Spanish to give some, some cues for that if you desire. Um, and, yeah, and bring it back when you are done. Let's pray. Father, we are here because of you, because you chose to come to where we're at, because you decided because we're not worthy to go where you're at, to come to where we're at. Not only that, but you lived like this. You became like us in every single way, offering us your life. Father, as we go forth in all that we do in life, may we be people who are incarnated, who 
are, are, are the mountain of the Lord to those around us, that they may be drawn to you, may come to you and see the beauty of all that you are. All this by the power of your Holy Spirit, for your glory and your renown. In Jesus' name, amen.